Welcome to Becoming Your Best Version. I am host Maria Leonard Olson. I am a civil litigator based in Washington, D.C. I am a journalist, author, TEDx speaker, podcaster, and mentor to women in recovery from alcoholism and drug abuse. You can check out my TED Talk on YouTube and please hit the like button to help move it up in the visibility algorithm because I think it has the ability to help a lot of people. I come to you each week with another exciting and inspiring woman's story. I like to amplify women's voices and to inspire others in so doing. Today, joining us from the south of France is Angela Irwin. She is an international life and confidence coach, TEDx speaker, and founder of Joyful Life Solutions, which specializes in helping women reprogram their self-acceptance to build lasting confidence so that they can achieve their full potential. Prior to that, Angela spent 15 years in the corporate medical device field, holding various positions in marketing, management, and clinical education in the US, Australia, and Europe. During the pandemic, Angela launched the Joyful Life Cochlear Implant Fund to help ensure her fellow cochlear implant recipients have access to ongoing critical technology that they need to keep their hearing. Angela supplements her training by drawing from her personal experiences, numerous challenges and transitions in her own life. In addition to her coaching training, Angela holds a BS degree in sociology and psychology, as well as an MBA. Born in a small farm community in South Dakota, Angela has lived and traveled all over the world. She and her husband, Colin, have been living in France for the past 11 years. You can consult the show notes to watch Angela's TEDx talk, to go to her website, to follow her on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook. Welcome, Angela. Thank you so much, Maria. It's a real pleasure to be here with you today. So you started a business during the pandemic. Wow. What led you to start your Joyful Life Solutions? Um, well, during the pandemic, I started the Joyful Life Cochlear Implant Fund. That's okay. the uh, it's a nonprofit organization. Okay. Um, which was never on my list of desires to start a nonprofit organization. Um, but when the pandemic hit, um, I I myself am a cochlear implant recipient. I am clinically deaf, but I hear with this amazing technology that's a cochlear implant. And I've had them for over 25 years, which has enabled me to have the career that you just, you know, sort of recapped, mm -hmm. uh, without which I wouldn't have been able to do those jobs or do that sort of travel. And because I know a lot of cochlear implant recipients in the US, um, specifically the healthcare is not does not provide the ongoing aftercare that is necessary for people to continue to hear. Mm -hmm. So most insurances, Medicare and Medicaid, will cover the initial surgery of the cochlear implant, but then there's an external component 
that much like any, you know, like smartphone technology needs to be repaired, replaced and upgraded over the course of someone's lifetime. And an upgrade, as an example, costs around $12,000. And a lot of the insurance companies won't cover that ongoing cost. And so people are faced with losing their hearing a second time. And I, I just had to try to help. So here in France, my equipment is covered. And so I feel very grateful for that with our healthcare system. And so I thought, well, I at least have to try. And so we just celebrated two years and had a had some fundraisers. And so we're we're really helping people, you know, keep their lives intact. It's it's such a unique thing because we really sort of straddle two worlds. When we don't have the external component on, we are deaf 100 percent of the time. But when we have it on, you know, we can do this interview. We can, you know, participate fully in the hearing world. And so it's so important. And then from the emotional side, so I also offer the life and confidence coaching through the through the nonprofit as well. Wow. Wow. Well, kudos to you to fulfilling, filling a gap, a really important gap for our community. So then let's go to Joyful Life Solutions. What prompted you to start that? Yeah. So um, as you mentioned, so I, I spent 15 years in the corporate world and medical devices and, and that sort of thing. And about six or seven years ago, my position was uh, eliminated. And for a few years prior to that, there, you know, people will call it something different, but there was a, a questioning and knowing a, like an inner sort of thing about whisper, there's something else you're supposed to be doing. But, you know, in the busyness of life, you know, you just, you know, I didn't really take the time to think about, well, what could that be? But when I was laid off, I thought, all right, I was, had just turned 40. I thought, well, if, if ever there's a time to like sort of stop and take stock, this is it. And long story short, I found my way into life coaching, which I didn't know any, <laughs> anything about. As a matter of fact, the first person I met that said, I'm a life coach, I was thinking to myself, what the heck is that? <laughs> <laughs> like I knew like career coaching and that, but I just, um, so that's how how un uneducated, uh, unknowledgeable I was about what, what that could be. Um, but anyway, so I ended up, enrolling in a year-long life coaching slash setting up an online business certification program that was yeah a year long and halfway through I was in what I refer to as shutdown I didn't know what was happening I later realized it was depression uh, for the first time in, in my life I didn't know I just knew I wasn't able to do and operate the way I'd always had, mm. which is really just discombobulating because you're like, what is happening? Why can't I just get up and do what I know I need to do? And what, after finding a therapist and working with some coaches, what, what came up was I had never dealt with the emotions of losing my hearing starting at age seven over the course of, I lost it over the course of 15 years. And never talked about it, never had like emotional support around like, you know, talk, you know, what, you know, what are you going through? How are you going to deal with this? And 
got the cochlear implant at age 22 and thought, okay, that's done and over. And if, you know, but as I'm in this life coaching certification and she's talking about my mentor saying, okay, you need to be visible. You need to be, you know, marketing yourself. And the thought of that is what really put me into that mode because as I was losing my hearing, you also lose your speech. Mm. And so around, you know, junior high, <laughs> which is tough anyway, um, people, when I would meet people for the first time, they say, why do you talk funny? Or, you know, people would make fun of how I talk, like, you know, mimic the Charlie Brown, the teacher in the Charlie Brown cartoons that go blah, blah, blah. Uh, people would do that to me. And so all these years later, her saying, my mentor saying, okay, you got to go out and be visible. That's what sent me into shutdown. So um, had to work through all of that. The interesting thing was I had no idea that we could actually change the way we feel about ourselves and really change our relationship with ourselves. And so once I was doing that for myself, I'm like, this is what I want to do. And so I'm the last person who thought they'd be working in the space of like confidence coaching um, but once I realized that there is something that we can really work on and reprogram, I was like, this is what I want to do because I don't want anyone else to feel as badly about themselves as I felt about myself. And so that's what, that's what, um, how Joyful Life Solutions came to be. Wow. 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 That's such a great story. So without violating confidentiality or infringing on anyone's privacy, can you uh, provide an example of one of your coaching clients and how you helped that person get unstuck and move forward? Absolutely. So what I really am trying to do um, initially is we're really talking about self-acceptance and also just understanding what beliefs do we hold about ourselves. So the, the fascinating thing is that our self-worth or self-esteem how whatever you want to call it is formed at a very young age usually between seven and nine years old so something that either happened to us something that was told to us something that we observed and we just take those things on as fact because you know at that age we're not you know our brains aren't developed enough to question that and until something happens along the way and you do have someone you know saying is this really true that's sort of the guiding light. That's what we're working off of. So to answer your question, I can remember one of my very first clients, she was in her mid fifties and we were doing an exercise. She had happened to say during one of our sessions, well, I'm just not very smart. And I went, Hmm, you know, that's interesting. Let's, let's pull that string. <laughs> let's unravel that. And so I do this exercise that I call tracing it back. So we're, you know, trying to figure out where does that belief come from? Because if you look at what she's done in her life, that is a false belief. That is not absolutely not true. She's very smart. Mm -hmm. And I was absolutely jaw on the floor, shocked to hear her say, oh, I, I remember standing in my grandparents' kitchen. I was probably seven or eight. And all the family was playing a game and I came out and said, can I play? And my uncle just scoffed and said, 
this one, you can't teach this one anything. Mm, that's terrible. The fact that she came up with that within minutes just astounded me. And imagine now she's in, at that point, she's in her mid fifties. Imagine how different her life could have been, or at least how she felt about herself could have been, right? Mm -hmm. Because you can imagine anytime she would try to get out of her comfort zone or maybe go for a promotion or change a career, like anything. What came up for her first was, well, I'm not smart. I'm not going to be able to do that. And that was just so heartbreaking, but I'm like, okay, we're on to something here. And, you know, that's an example. And then we work through that. And then we, you know, clearly get her to understand from a logical perspective, because emotions are not logical. Right. And that's, that's sort of that hard part of, so when we get down on paper, okay, we can, we can, you know, contradict that belief. 7,000 ways based on stuff you have done, challenges you have overcome, things that you have accomplished in your life, all the times that you have gotten out of your comfort zone. But it really does take that effort and that support because that's not something that, you know, a person just knows to do on their own. Mm -hmm. Right, right. Wow. That sounds like really fulfilling and worthwhile work. Wow. You also offer a free guide, my three-step method to silence your inner critic. Can you tell us about that? Yes. So um, that was one of the things that I quickly also learned a lot about is the, the running, people call it different things, inner critic, monkey mind. It's just that voice in your head that is telling you you're not good enough, you're not smart enough, you're not whatever enough. And it really takes intentional effort to quiet that down. Now, it's not going to ever go away 100%. And it, I mean, the whole point of it is th the brain is trying to keep us safe. Um, the brain cannot distinguish between real and perceived danger. Mm -hmm. So when we're thinking about, you know, in this world of social media, getting on and doing, you know, a reels or live or, you know, whatever platform you might be on, the brain is going danger, danger, danger. Right, right. But it really isn't danger. It's trying to keep us safe. So it can't distinguish between that. So one of the things is we can call attention to paying attention to our thoughts because most of us are our worst critic. And the statistics around the number of negative thoughts that we think in a day is just astounding. And a lot of the thoughts are repetitive. And so what I want to do with the three C's is to bring your attention to that. So you want to catch the thought, pay attention to your thoughts and think about what are you saying to yourself constantly all day, every day? Then we want to challenge those thoughts, just like I was saying with my client who is, you know, she said, well, I'm not smart. So we're going to challenge that. And then we're going to change that thought. That's the third C into something that's actually true and positive. So we're going to want to catch the thought, challenge the thought and change the thought. Mm -hmm. And I have yet to have someone respond when they've tried that other than, oh my gosh, I cannot believe how much ne negative stuff I was saying to myself all day long because it's just on autopilot. It's just, you know, and again, 
unless we have you know where you know you know something like this you know calls your attention to it we don't know that that's something that's even happening and so that's a really powerful tool that I like my clients to start out with. Let's, let's like, let's tone down that inner critic and get to uncover like what really, you know, what, what beliefs should be true mm -hmm. and, you know, rewrite that programming from there. And, and the other thing I think too is, you know, we have such societal conditioning around the idea of perfection. Mm -hmm which is so, it's it's really so counterintuitive. There's no such thing as perfect. We are all flawed, yes, but yes. human beings by design. But, you know, that will pe keep people stuck because they think, well, you know, I'm not good at this or I'm not good at that or I'm not perfect or they will hold off on something. You know, um, procrastination and perfectionism are the same, you know, the opposite sides of the same coin. Mm. You know, and, and both of those, will keep you stuck. Right. Wow. What a good point. Yeah. I had never thought of it in that way before. Thank you for that. So I see on your website that you offer both individual and group coaching. Do you tend to do more of one or the other, or how can a client know which is better for them? If um, So I do do both and I'm shifting more to the group programming versus one-on-one -on -one. and the reason for that is having been through many group coaching programs myself I will I will say at first <laughs> catch your breath you know and you're like oh my gosh I can't imagine like divulging personal stuff or we think we're the only ones mm -hmm. who are experiencing this feeling of less than or whatever it might be and that is that is the biggest misconception because there are so many people that are that feel that same way and so what i have found with the group coaching is people actually especially if you've not done any personal development work before people make progress faster in a group hmm. And while, it, like I said, it can be absolutely scary, totally understand that, I've totally been there myself. But what happens is we learn from each other. Mm. And then there's that sense of community and you immediately go. So what I do with the group coaching is we have um, modules. So you'll get like a learning um, every week, a, a lesson and homework and you know stuff we need to work on. But then we have, I call it hot seat coaching about once a week we come on uh we come on zoom just like this and um you know have have somebody can have live coaching or, or multiple people can have a live coaching and i find that people learn more or just as much from hearing someone else be coached but again like that immediate sense of oh my gosh someone else multiple someone else's <laughs> as a matter of fact feel the exact same way and then you start to let your guard down and you become open and you're like, okay, right. We can do this together. And then, then, you know, you start cheering each other on and it's just yeah. such a beautiful thing. Um, so the, the group coaching is really a wonderful thing to take part of or to, tr to try out, I think. Wow. Well, good, good for you. Yes, I do. I have done both and see the utility of both. So 
I suppose a client could do both with you, correct? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I have had someone doing it simultaneously, which is pretty cool as well, because then what they're learning in the group, and we can talk about that, you know, more specifically, uh, get an action plan for them in their one-on-one -on -one sessions. Yes. yes, excellent. So I am aware of your TEDx talk called What Losing My Hearing and Getting It Back Taught Me About Inclusion. Can you tell, give us a summary of what your TEDx talk, um, what the bottom line is or the takeaway is from your TEDx talk? Absolutely. So I was a little surprised when that title came out because the one I had submitted was uh, actually what makes you different is what makes you special. Mm. And so the crux of that was the shame, embarrassment, self loathing that I had about losing my hearing, which I know sounds a bit strange because it wasn't something that I was doing. It you know wasn't intentional. It was out of my control. But like I said, emotions are not logical. So I had all of those emotions, negative, very, very negative emotions about myself, about losing my hearing. I blamed myself 100%. And to go through the process that I was describing, to go into that life coaching certification, to work on going back and helping that little girl through that emotional process, um, doing the TEDx was actually part of a therapeutic aspect. So I was still in the thick of it when I did that talk. And um me leg shaking the whole time, full disclosure, <laughs> because I was sharing super personal stuff um, that I had never shared with anyone before. And I decided the best place to do that was on the TEDx stage. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it really was about coming this like this full circle moment and just embracing that and being like, yeah, that what I went through, and it's no different than what, you know, we all go through things. We all go through tough things. And that forms us to, into who we are today. And I know for sure that I am far more compassionate. I'm an outstanding listener, which is, you know, ironic. Um, but those things make me a great life coach or a great confidence coach. And so had that not happened, I wouldn't be able to do this work that I absolutely love and get a front row seat to see, I like to describe it as, you know, spring flowers blossoming when people can shed those negative untruths that they've carried, you know, most of the time for decades and actually accept themselves and embrace their gifts and not be in comparison mode. That's absolutely amazing. So that was really the crux of the TEDx talk is that we're not meant to be like anyone else. Embrace your gifts. Don't worry about what anyone else is doing. Just share more of yourself with the world. Beautiful, beautiful. Do you know the cause of your hearing loss? No, no. Uh, and, and, and that was actually part of what I think really deepened the shame. Um, my parents did, you know, they took me to, uh, so I grew up in South Dakota, as you said in the introduction, they took me to every hearing loss, you know, every hearing clinic in North Dakota, South Dakota, Minnesota, um, Nebraska, 
uh, to try to find out why this was happening. And every single professional would tell my parents the same thing. And unfortunately, I was in the room. Maybe not, maybe not the best decision to have me listening to that. But they would all say the same thing. We have no idea why this is happening. We've never seen it before in a child. Mm. So wow. that's what really fed my inner brokenness, if you will, because what is this 7, 9, 11, 13-year-old girl hearing repeatedly? Holy smokes. <laughs> You're so flawed. You're so broken. No one can figure out what is wrong with you. That was, that was my self-worth. <laughs> um, wow, that's so tough. So tough. I'm glad that you emerged from that and are using your pain as a force for good. So important. Um, so I know I, in your TED talk, you talked about Helen Keller, who was both blind and deaf and said that if given the option, she would choose to be blind over deaf because while blindness cuts you off from things, deafness cuts you off from people. And that was your experience. Can you elaborate on that? Why do you feel that hearing is even more important than seeing as a means for connection? Yeah, um, it is, there's a lot of data around this actually. So what happens when people start to experience hearing loss, they start to withdraw. Hmm. We are, I know you can, you know, even if you're an introvert, human beings are designed to have interaction, connection, whatever. And there are studies, uh, global studies, but one of the most, the predominant literature, the predominant study comes out of um, Johns Hopkins University. So Dr. Lin there, and they have drawn a connection between hearing loss and early onset of cognitive decline. So not only is it an emotional toll where it just becomes so stressful. So leading up to the point where I got my cochlear implant, um, I didn't want to go anywhere. I didn't want to see anybody. I didn't because it was too, even though I was working full time. So I would, it was exhausting. I was relying almost hundred percent on lip reading. So if I couldn't see your lips, I couldn't understand anything. I couldn't use the phone anymore. You know, this is back in 1997 before texting and email and all of those wonderful things. But when we're cut off in an isolation, it has a significant impact on our overall health. But with this particular uh, global research that's going on, um, early onset dementia, is a real concern from a healthcare perspective and a preventative measure. And it's so, so interesting that they've actually tracked it to six years or sorry, eight years between when hearing loss sets in and when the cognitive decline slash dementia sets in there. That's how precisely they've been able to track that. The unfortunate thing is that most people wait more than 10 years to do anything about hearing loss. Now, we're not even talking about like severe hearing loss like you have to be to get a cochlear implant. We're talking mild, moderate hearing loss can, can, can have that impact. So it's so important. We're trying to, you know, not only raise awareness about cochlear implants, because even though this amazing technology is over 40 years old, most people don't really know much about it, if they even know about it at all. 
but we're also just trying to raise awareness about hearing health in general, mm. because this is not something to just put in the backseat and go, oh, I'll worry about that later. Because of this, um, this link to cognitive de decline. So it's it's a really important message that we're trying to get out as well. Wow, very important. Thank you for that. Um, I would like to ask you the following question, which I ask of all guests. What do you do, Angela, to become your best version? It is such a great question. And I, I think I, I, you know, would say that it's a daily work in progress. But, uh, you know, a couple things first come to mind. And the first is to take action. You know, there's the quote that says, you know, doubt slash fear um, will take you out of action and only action can take you out of doubt and fear. And so that's how we can get in stuff, just whatever it is, one small step. It doesn't have to be a ginormous thing, but if you can just take a step forward in progress each day, that's really helpful. And then the second thing I would say is I have, learn to give myself grace, which has been hard <laughs> to mm -hmm. work on that. Because as I said, you know, previously, we are usually our own worst critics. We're so hard on ourselves. We beat ourselves up over why did I say this thing? You know, uh, why did I do that? And so what I've really tried to put into practice and I, you know, encourage my clients and uh, to do the same, but I've gotten into the habit of asking myself, okay, was it well-intentioned? So maybe I said something and I go, oh, why did I say that? That was like, so, you know, not what I would have wanted to say. I, I'll ask myself, was it well-intentioned? Yes. And can I change it? If I can't change the situation now, if it's something where, you know, you can apologize to someone if it was like, you know, that sort of thing. If it was just like a, you know, a, something that happened, but if I can't change it, then I'm just like, okay, then just give yourself some grace. You know, most of the things we can learn from, but it's such a huge weight because when we're beating up ourselves and, you know, negative words and that releases chemicals in the body where, you know, we get into that fight or flight mode. That's not helpful. That's okay. not helpful. So we want to lift it and be a little bit lighter and go, okay, you're human. Yeah. Next time you won't, you know, say something different or so that's what I would say. Beautiful. Thank you for that. I love that adage too, about using action to take oneself out of doubt and fear. I hadn't actually heard that before. So thank you. Yeah. yeah. And it really is. I have found that to be true because I, I, you know, I, as I said, it's a work in progress. Uh, I mean, we're in most cases trying to undo decades worth of beliefs or conditioning and that sort of thing. So it really does take practice and intention around that. And I have found when I, when I have been stuck and just in that, oh no, the only thing, the only way out is to take a step. And yeah. it that that is also like, we think, well, I'll just wait until I'm ready. We're never gonna be ready. So just take the step. Yeah. And then what, you know, 99% of the happen, what happens 99% of the time is you go, oh, <laughs> that wasn't so bad here. I've spent 
you know, sometimes days, weeks, whatever, thinking I can't take this step because, and then you do it and you're like, mm, okay, <laughs> okay, that wasn't so bad. <laughs> Wow, I absolutely agree. So thank you so much for being here today on the podcast. And I encourage you all to look at her website, joyfullifesolutions.com and follow her work on social media. All of this is contained in the show notes. Thank you again for being here, Angela. Thank you. This was so great. I really appreciate the opportunity to come on. Thanks. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.